Hi everyone, uh, welcome to the latest episode of the Challenge Accepted Podcasts uh, from Arctic Wolf. My name is Ian McShane, I'm VP of Strategy here. And I'm Adam Murray, the CISO of Arctic Wolf. And we are recording this at the start of 2023, so what a, what a time to be alive. Adam, have you got any interesting New Year's resolutions based on things you did or learnt last year? Maybe not busting your leg open? Yeah, well, that's that's exactly what I was going to talk about. Is uh, I, I had the unfortunate experience of having my first bone broken, and I chose a big one, the femur. So uh, anyway, my goal this year is to not break any bones. So that would be <laughs> that seems like that an achievable major, one, right? Major yeah. goal, yeah. Hopefully, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes I I get the better of myself and do stupid things <laughs> like jumping <laughs> um, jumping mountain bikes. So like kind kind of related. Like say I'm in the process of kind of moving to the US and big soccer fan um, and I'm pleased to see that soccer is interesting you know there's people who are interested in soccer in the US obviously but I started to think about maybe taking up some kind of North American sport and so I thought about football and I'm like look I can barely throw a tennis ball let alone a, a, a football <laughs> thought about baseball and you know I enjoyed baseball but mostly the drinking and watching part of baseball and so what I decided to do this year was to take up ice hockey which sounds like a, a big stretch. And, you know, to be fair, ice hockey is pretty popular in Europe, obviously. But the interesting challenge for me is that I just can't skate. And it made me laugh when I'm trying to figure out how, you know, how do I get started in hockey if I can't skate? And it kind of reminded me of cybersecurity because, you know, you hear all these things like, oh, just do vulnerability management. You'll be way more secure. I was like, how do I learn how to play hockey? And people were like, oh, just, just learn how to ice skate. And I'm like, I'm one of these people that ice skates, you know, once or twice a year. My, my wife is an excellent figure skater, so she goes regularly, but we tend to go around the holidays when places have ice rinks up and I'm, you know, the idiot that goes very slowly around the edges for <laughs> 20 minutes until I remember how to ice skate and then forget again for the next year, which is, which is great, but it sucks when it's so hard. And again, it kind of aligns with cybersecurity is like failing sucks, especially when you see and hear how easy other people make things seem like people are dive, like kids are diving past me at record speeds or when it seems like record speeds and their ice skates real difficult. Yeah. You might have a hard time not breaking my resolution of breaking a bone. <laughs> So hopefully that doesn't happen, but well, I'm, no, I am I, one of the I am one of the dorks that turns up in all the gear. I've got a helmet. I even bought like the cage to go over my face. I've got like gloves. I like literally the the epitome of all the gear and no idea. No, but I love I love the idea of adult learning and adults taking on things that they don't know anything about and jumping in. And you know, as we know, it's that consistency of chipping mm -hmm. away at it, and then you'll be amazed at what you can do. I think oftentimes we're measuring ourselves against you know, kind of an impossible standard or other people when if we just take it one bite at a time ourselves, we'll be amazed at what we can do. So I'm excited to hear about your progress and <laughs> learning how to learning how to ice skate and play ice hockey, which I am I'm definitely one of the people that rapidly loses interest when I realize I'm not immediately good at something. Like it sounds like a great idea in my head, but then I'm immediately disappointed in myself and the rest of humanity for not helping me achieve my own goals. So we'll, we'll certainly see about that. Talking of fashionable and talking about goals, one of the things I've, I mean, obviously working at Arctic Wolf, but one of the things I've noticed over the last two or three years is how fashionable it is to have, for an organization to have or to want their own security operation center. And if you, something you've noticed, Adam, but when I was, you know, five, six years ago talking to organizations, 
no one was really interested in building a SOC. They wanted to deploy tools and things like that. They wanted to have, you know, EDR, whatever, whatever the buzzword the sure was at the time. But I would almost never hear of a security leader saying, this is the year we're going to invest in a SOC. Yeah, well, I mean, it's one of those things. Everyone knows it's an issue. And I think in the past, they wanted to solve it in the easiest way, just like throw up a tool and that'll do it for us. And yeah. they realize that is not a winning solution. So kind of the easy button mentally is like, well, we just need a sock. And that's where you need to stop and start really thinking about it. Yeah, is that exactly. Really the right idea for you, especially, you know, your level of maturity or do, do you really understand what it <laughs> means to try to set up a sock? I mean, that is a really good question to ask yourself once you start going down that path. Yeah. Like, and I, I love I love this tagline that the state of Nebraska had at one point, which is called, you know, as part of their tourism, they were like, Nebraska, honestly, it's not for everyone. And I feel the same way about security operations. It's like, it's great. It really works well. It, it can really, you know, have a monumental change on your security posture, but honestly, it's not for everyone. Well, certainly maybe not to do your own, um, but obviously the question itself has to be answered, right? We've got to be able to detect and respond to, you know, all the nastiness out there. So it's a really good question, but I think setting up your own sock and running your own sock is definitely not for everyone. <laughs> and we are very fortunate today to have one of my favorite people, Arctic Wolf, join us. Um, Lisa is the, the VP for Global Security Operations. And as this conversation would probably have you um, thinking, she is one of the people that helped to build and continues to help build the security operations practice here at, at Arctic Wolf. So Lisa, welcome to the Challenge Accepted podcast. Hello, Ian. Hello, Adam. Thanks for having me. Hi, you're welcome. So would you like to give us a quick background of yourself? Like, how did you get to Arctic Wolf? And maybe what you do at Arctic Wolf would be a good place to start. Sure. Sure. So my name is Lisa Tatro. I have been at Arctic Wolf now for five years, almost five years. Um, I landed at Arctic Wolf through maybe a little non-traditional path. Uh, do you want me to talk about my background? Yeah, we love we love non-traditional yeah. parts here. Absolutely. Sure. Do. Okay. Uh, maybe it's a traditional in some ways, um, non-traditional uh, to today's mechanisms, I guess, or today's standards. Uh, I started out uh, in Canada. They did internships, um, which is 18 months. Instead of co-ops, uh, I had an internship opportunity where you take off a year in your, between your third and fourth year of mm. university. Yeah. Um, and so you went and you did like full immersion into, um, so I was in, I was doing my bachelor of computer science at Western university with a software engineering specialization. And, uh, and I had the opportunity to work at a bank. And so, uh, into the bank I go, I'm doing a lot of Unix type work. Oh, and I remember cool. yeah. thinking, uh, my second week there, I'm not going to make it 16 months. <laughs> this is not for me. <laughs> and uh, from some act from above, there was a reorg that happened um, within the first month. And uh, I had walked into this room. I had this org chart. I looked and I ended up in the network security um, team. And that was that was it for me. And so I ended up in um, network monitoring. And so huh. it was wonderful. I Back found my, I Love found it. it was, it was wonderful. I'm telling you, it was so wonderful. So what was, um, what was your favorite thing about the network side of things? Just, you know, <laughs> it it's, it's a non-traditional access. It is a non-traditional <laughs> path. And I think of people, I think a lot of people in cybersecurity come from the classic kind of help desk or, you know, endpoint support kind of background, as opposed to the, the nuts and bolts of network security. 
Well, coming from the software engineering and coding and scripting type, uh, I guess the the education part, I had a, one or two courses in networking and it made lot more logical sense to me and it, it allowed me to be a little bit more creative. So I understood the firewall routing switching components. And so when I ended up in network management, I could see and monitor things and the operations was a bit more thrilling to me. I just back office type environment was just not my thing. I wanted to be, you know, doing the changes. I wanted to see what was happening uh, across the wire. So the monitoring piece was was quite interesting. So lo and behold, I finished, I go back, I finished that out. I finished my degree and I, I land a job there. And so that was that was kind of my in into networking, routing and switching. I ended up then shortly thereafter at IBM and then into BlackBerry. I did data network operations at BlackBerry. I then ended up at Sandvine and did customer support um, at Sandvine, which was deep pack inspection, and then ended up at Arctic Wolf. So at each of those companies, I learned something a little bit different about security. And I always found that I was kind of pivoting into the security aspects, but was never fully in security. So at TD, I learned a little bit about risk adverse and uh, how important security is. Uh, we invested in a lot of tools. At IBM, I learned about compliance and security audits and disaster recovery and backups. Mm -hmm. At BlackBerry, I learned about incident management and responding to breaches and you know how sneaky back bad actors can kind of get into environments, what you had to do. At Sandvine, I learned about global operations and how to operate in 10 different countries and the importance you know, things are and how to handle customers. And then at Arctic Wolf, I had the opportunity to kind of build the SOC and to protect and respond to the customers that way. So best practices, threat intelligence, all this wonderful um, things. So that's how I ended up here. Well, see, that's incredible. So, um, you, so you've had that all that wide variety of experience. I'm just curious. I mean, you're, you're kind of at this point at Arctic Wolf. I'm curious, like what, are you able to focus on the things that are, is like what you enjoy the most now I, I, and you're you're a leader here and do you find that the leadership obviously leadership tools are different than the technical tools and do you find your distance from the keyboard to be uh dismaying at all i'm just curious like at this point in your career are you are you doing the things you like to do i always think it's a balance there's uh, i like seeing the operation side i think it's fast paced enough um, that i'm able to kind of see people do their best in Excel and bring an organization from a small organization up to a big organization and operational processes. I've been here and I've we've outgrown processes quarter over quarter. I'm telling you, <laughs> I remember writing runbooks myself. I had to be in the in the trenches writing runbooks because we had nobody writing runbooks at some point. And now it's in a whole organization that's doing it. Um, so to answer your question, I I love it. I love what I'm doing right now. And when I'm not able to, you know, when I don't get my fix of fingers to keyboard pieces, what I find is I'm doing that on my side, on, on my spare time on the side. So um, I have no problem with that. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, that's great. I do know a lot of security leaders that do that. They block off time or they spend time making sure they stay technical or at least technical to a certain degree so that they don't get too far away from where the technology is going. So that's awesome. How, how many, yeah. how, how big was the SOC when you, when you joined here? <laughs> Well, we had 30 
people in security services at the time that were doing shifts within the SOC. And so I had the opportunity of building it out into the couple hundred people that we have now. Wow, that's amazing. And and yeah, I, I, I should paint a picture of how amazing this organization is. So when, when we say the SOC, we're talking about the SOC that offers, you know, security operation services to our customers. And there are multiple rooms around the world that provide the service. And I sit in Articles Utah office. And so right next to me is a big room with 120 seats. Really impressive. That's full of operators. And that's just one of the socks. So it's really impressive what you've built here, Lisa. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's great to see it's scaling that out as well. So, you know, we've recently in the last couple of years opened what the Frankfurt um, Security Operations Center and staffed that one. And we're, you know, moving into uh, Australia and New Zealand right now. So, I guess you spend a lot of time hiring as well. Like it's in your spare time, your spare it's your spare time, spare time aside from coding and your day job. Like how do you how are you thinking about hiring? Like how many people do you think you've hired so far since you've been here? So dedicated triage team, I've probably personally or um, within my organization hired over three hundred and fifty people. Wow. Yes. There's that a lot. Incredible. Can, can you share with us some of the the things you've learned? I mean, I, I want to get into, you know, like what, what do you look for? But I'm wondering, like, taking a step back, you've hired 350 people to be security operators. Like, what have you learned from that? I will tell you, when you hire a lot of people or you have open recs that are more than one, it's a lot easier so let me let me kind of paint it out for you. If you have five or six recs in a quarter, I like hiring five or six people at the same time because you don't have to look for the perfect fit. You can hire a group and a cohort together. And when you do that together, that group actually excels together as a cohort. And those relationships get really, really built out quite well. So you're not looking for the perfect person. You're looking for the group of people that can kind of interact together. And so... What I found is those relationships um, end up being very, very solid and you see them interacting with each other still to this day uh, in in their dens. We call them little dens that they have. Um, you see them interacting very well. The relationships are really strong. They onboarded together. Uh, they had, they've been through incidents together. They've, you know, supported customers together. And, and those relationships are within the culture as well. And, and we've been very successful in hiring in cohorts. And I found that that is almost easier because you don't have to have, and you don't have to be as picky because you're looking for similar characteristics. And it's it's been beneficial to us to hire in that way. It's certainly um, interesting for me because when I think about hiring across my career, it's always like one role at a time. It's never like I'm going to hire five people to do the same job. So that's a really interesting point that you can you don't have to look for the perfect one individual. You can spread the characteristics you want ac across a group of people. How does that how does that work for distributed organizations? Eh? It still works the same, and you end up having. Uh, because we've, uh, in a lot of our, the way we've kind of scheduled it out, a lot of the dens are distributed. So in our SOC location, I don't have, you know, a team that's only in Waterloo. I've always had the diverse SOCs being a, a team together on their shift. And so they have those strengths together. They're onboarded together and they're at different locations and it's kind of built it out together. 
we can have anybody on the management team interview whatever candidates and they trust each other's judgment. It also allows it to be a little bit more diverse. You're not looking for the same person graduating from the same program. You are looking for, you know, baristas, you're looking for a chemist, and then you're looking for, you know, somebody from legal and you pair them up with other people that have the traditional masters in cybersecurity or what have you, and you put them together and you have like a diverse thought um, path when you're, you're looking through, you know, a security investigation. And it's quite interesting what they come up with. It's, it's wild, actually. Yeah. So when, when you are looking at the individual, what, what kind of, what have you found have been the most valuable things to look at? I'm talking like, so like, let's say someone's listening to this, that's trying to get a job entry level, or just trying to change careers or something. And like what are you looking for? Education, certifications, personal characteristics, kind of walk us through that whole sort of, uh, you know, what you look for. Sure. So it would depend if it's entry level or more, you know, mid-career or senior level. But if I'm just looking at kind of the entry level type role, we're going to look for some that have gone through school or through some sort of a, a program or Someone um, from a characteristic perspective, we're looking for an interest in cybersecurity. Uh, we're looking for if you haven't, you know, gone to school, what are you doing other than going to school? Are you, you know, listening to podcasts? Are you watching videos on YouTube? Are you doing a try hack me or hack the box? What are you doing to make and build that interest? Tell me what you're doing. Are you inquisitive? Are you an analytical thinker? How are you staying current? What is your passion? And then we also need really good communicators. So tell me how you're communicating because you're going to have to communicate with people that aren't physically next to you. You're going to have to communicate with customers. You're going to have to communicate as a team and be a team player. Um, and then you also have a high pressure environment because, you know, there's breaches out there. There's attacks out there. How are you going to um, behave in those situations? So those are some of the characteristics and situations are going to be in. So we're looking for skill sets that can be displayed in an interview or, you know, tell me about a time, tell me about a situation that you've been in these, uh, these situations that can be articulated in an interview. And so we're looking for those types of characteristics. And if you don't have the education, then tell me what you have done to kind of, um, I guess, uh, fill in for that lack of education. Tell me about try hack me. Where you know, tell me what you've learned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. And you know, as a callback to an earlier episode, I think callback is the professional term for people that listen to podcasts. But we had um, we had a new starter or someone that joined our, our company a year ago called um, I think it was Asaya. Is his name Asaya? Asaya yeah. Yeah. And so he joined and he gave us a the great run through of his story of joining, you know, with limited experience, but just a passion for security and was able to find in, in Arctic Wolf and in, in your organization specifically, the home that would welcome him in and saw that, you know, saw that spark, saw that interest in, you know, trying to learn and wanting to learn, but not having necessarily the, all of the, you know, educational opportunities that, you know, some people are very fortunate to have. Absolutely. So we yeah. don't just hang our hat right there. You know, we've hired people that come from different walks of life and yeah. that's okay. Just show us the passion and what are you doing to fill those gaps? Mm -hmm. <laughs> One thing I'm always impressed with uh, in the US especially, 
and especially in cybersecurity, is how many organizations lean into um, military vets and, you know, the, the kind of talent that comes out of there. Like there is, you know, I mean, if you work in this industry, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that, that come from that kind of background. But how, how much success have you seen looking for those kind of characteristics, looking for those kind of um, uh, attributes in people coming out of that um, the, the veteran service? So we have a partnership with SkillsBridge, uh, which is a military pipeline for us. And we've had a lot of success with that pipeline, actually. So uh, SkillsBridge is bridging military vets into the private sector. And so we've had quite a few candidates come through and we've hired a lot of them. So that's also a great pipeline for us. From your hiring perspective, obviously as the the leader of our own internal security services, like how, how do you approach hiring? Because I'm, I'm going to make an assumption that you're not doing the same, you know, scale of hiring, like five or 10 people at a time and able to, you know, afford that cohort approach, right? You must be looking for individuals that tick number of boxes rather than just the luxury of one or two. Yeah. And I've, I've done this before at other organizations, and that's probably more analogous to what Lisa's doing, where you got to hire a lot of people pretty fast to build out a security operations center. Here, we're able to maintain a much more, I would say, high-skilled but smaller team because it's the team that's built on top of us using because, of course, we use Arctic Wolf. We're a customer of ourselves. So we use this, you know, 350, 400, 500 people in the in the Arctic Wolf SOC to, to you know, be our SOC. And then we have a small internal team on top of that that are the ones that interact with them and make sure we're taking care of everything internally. So I'm able to maintain a much smaller sort of high-skilled team here. So it's a little different, which is great. Something you can do with service like Arctic Wolf. Now, at previous organizations, I did have to go through and do a lot of the things Lisa are saying. And you look everywhere for good people and you hire at all the different levels. And I would say, I would echo everything she said of, of what you're looking for. Although I've done a lot more of the hiring one at a time and it is really hard to try to find that one person. And it happens to be the person that's looking for a job when you're looking for them, are they in the right location? Um, and then, uh, you know, trying to get diversity of background, diversity of person type, you know, age, all the different things you're looking for. It's it's a it's a huge challenge to be able to do that. So, um, I I I am curious with um, Lisa with your involvement in WESIS, like what I know that's that's for women in cybersecurity. How, tell us about your experience there. I'm really curious about that. Sure. Uh, WESIS is uh, a global organization um, that is focusing on and kind of the women in, in cybersecurity. And there's other organizations that also do the same. Um, I've, I'm on the membership chair for the Women in Cybersecurity program in Ontario. However, I, I do partner with other WESIS chapters that are you know located with our SOC, and I encourage a lot of the women in cybersecurity um, women in, in our organizations to, to also be part of the local chairs. And so, uh, there, um, there's a, a conference that happens every, every year. It's a global conference. I've done some speaking engagements there. Um, I'm, I'm very much uh, a supporter there. And I find that, um, it's really good avenue to help support, get a voice and understand and find new talent and new pipeline and, and kind of, find partnerships there across across the world really and and what they're doing is is really trying to 
um, get the women in cyber to feel like they have a voice. Because I, I know in some organizations, a lot of the women, they're one of. So mm-hmm. if you have a small mm-hmm. cyber presence, you're one of, and it, it feels very, very lonely in some yeah. in some cases. So they're giving them a community that they don't feel alone or isolated or alienated. So it's just giving it's giving them a voice and and finding them some some partnerships and giving them some extra training or support or resources or what have you. And so if if that's going to help support them and then they get extra talent and extra pipelines and it also gives organizations the ability to to partner and support and sponsor and then gives them job boards and other pipelines and if you don't know where to go to find additional you know a diversity that would mm-hmm. be a pipeline or an ability to do that you can post your jobs on their job board and they used to you know have a lot of focus on new new talent new new grads uh entry level and now they're doing more senior level investment and mid-career investment as well so there's there's a lot of work being done in that space and uh there's there's a lot of opportunity there so it's yeah. it's an untapped thing um that it's just it's new it's evolving uh it's it's pretty inspiring um i would encourage uh male allies to also uh sign up and mm-hmm. and be part of it um it's it's pretty it's a pretty wild um i remember being at the conference for the first time and i was like oh my goodness this exists i feel <laughs> i feel like this is like wild i've never been at a conference a cyber conference mm-hmm. a technical conference where it was like 1500 people around me and i was not one of or you know i, I didn't yeah, feel like yeah. a minority i was like oh my goodness i'm a majority so it was it was a little bit i was taken back uh, mm-hmm. i remember like the first four hours was, I, this is a little bit surreal for me um I've, i heard similar <laughs> feedback from um folks that attended um uh, the grace hopper conference as well which is yes. a, a similar kind of organization right absolutely it's yeah yeah, it's a little bit different. So it, it gives the uh, a lot of women that don't necessarily see that on a day to day basis, a little bit more of a community that they didn't necessarily have. And it helps them if they wanted to start a community in their own organization. We had uh, a lady in Utah start um, a, a chapter in a school chapter out of um, the SOC in in Utah um the BYU chapter there and so uh getting more women from BYU um she's an intern at our location and so that's great it helps give them the framework to have more and more support and that's that's just a really good thing hmm. and so yeah. it's actually they they asked me to I'm going to speak next week yes. you know, being an yes. ally so I'm really excited about it so it's a my oh, that's area. great so yes so that's, that's really exciting and I do I do think from from my experience talking with, in fact, BYU runs, uh, you know, one of the oldest, maybe the oldest uh, girls cybersecurity camp in the summer for high school age girls, which is great. And one of the things I have learned from interacting with that is there is this this challenge when you're a person and your perception is there isn't anyone like me in that profession. It's really intimidating to say, oh, I could do that, or I'm gonna, I'm going to do that. What what do you say to to women and girls that are thinking about entering cybersecurity, but they think it's all you know, but people not like them? Oh, it feels like challenge accepted. That's what I say. <laughs> very good. Very good. <laughs> well, I mean, from my from my upbringing, I, I've always played sports, and I always find a challenge, and I always lean into it. And I think I'm 
in this leadership role that I have, I, I have a very diverse leadership team. And my goal has always been to be one that's like leading people and, and being a face and being a voice so that other people feel like they can, they can do whatever they, they put their mind to. So I want to be an enabler. And, and so in my mind, I want to help other people see that they can do it and, and build their confidence. Um, and I don't care what, what gender, what, um, what background, what, whatever they are. Um, and so from my, from my point of view, it's let's start with the confidence. What can you do to, to build your confidence? Um, you know, it's just your inner voice. And so if I can get out in the community, if I can get them paired up with any organization, it doesn't matter what it is. I don't care if it's, um, out in tech. I don't care if it's uh, Blacks in tech. I don't care if it's WESIS. I don't, what, whatever organization it is that will help them feel like they have a voice and support system that will allow them to, to move ahead and, and be part of the cyber community to then move ahead, be part of it, contribute, and then get in here. That's the way to go. So that's amazing. That's, that's so inspiring to hear you say that. Like I was chatting over Slack the other day to, to one of our colleagues and just pointed out that Adam um, is one of the most inspiring people I've met. But like you're saying that is you're, you're, you're close to overtaking Adam on that front right now. <laughs> so for, for, for all kinds to say, I get this, I get asked a lot. It's like, hey, Ian, do you know, you know, we're trying to hire for X. Do you know some people or where can we go and find someone that fits in Y? So you mentioned that WeSys is, is largely untapped. So if tell me like next time someone says to me Ian, where can i go and find a person to do this how do i how do they use wesis right so wesis has um so for uh for any uh any organization they can partner with wesis they have job boards there most organizations actually have job boards if you partner with with them so um i know some of them that i just mentioned out in tech um blacks in tech uh wesis there's a number of them out there um, that you can just partner with them, be part of them, uh, of their uh, partnership agreements, and you can post jobs out there. They're looking for partnerships like mm -hmm. this. Um, invest in Great. it. I mean, part of it, though, is like you can't just have lip service and just get, exactly. get these candidates. Yeah. You yeah, have yeah, to yeah, invest yeah. in it. Mm -hmm. You don't yeah. want to be one of, right? Oh, God. Yeah, it's not exactly. about tokenism. You got you. You have to invest in it. There's allyship. There's allyship that has to be part of it. You have to have uh, people at the table. You have to have a voice and mm -hmm. and being included. And and I think, you know, at our company, we have um, a lot of investment in this area, right? We um, do. And so... Uh, we're yeah, it's one of, one of the very... one of the things that make me proud to be here. Yeah, we yeah. do we do a lot of work in that for area. Sure. So, for sure. So hiring hiring is like one side of the coin. Like oh God, we talk we hear it talked about all the time how difficult it is to hire people, how difficult it is to find people, and you know it's true. Um, but the flip side of that, from an organisation's perspective, is how do you keep people? And you know the obvious answer is don't don't be a scummy employer. But in general, like how do you how do you manage to retain? security talent especially in a world where you're taking maybe people fresh out of school with limited experience that you know after a year or two are going to look pretty attractive to you know other organizations looking to build their own security practice how, how do you i'm going to ask you the same question in a second adam as well but how do you focus on retaining talented individuals so at arctic wolf we have been fortunate um in that we have a lot of different roles within the company that anyone can kind of grow into so we've got a very unique position that other companies may not have, right? So you can be a developer, you can be a product manager, you can be in sales, you can 
go work in Adam's team from, from the security service team. Uh, so we've, we've got a lot of great uh, avenues there. Um, I think there's a lot of investing in the people. Um, so we've got, uh, culture is one thing as well. So culture, investing in the people, career paths, um, really understanding what that makes that employee tick. So you could do stretch assignments. You can, um, you can have them do, um, the certification program, uh, which is what we built. Uh, we have little steps along the way that kind of identifies, um, what they're capable of doing. We have it built out within the security services organization to where, uh, you train and you've got time and seat. Uh, do you, so do you like give them time? Do you give them time as part of their job to do that, that training or is it, you know, their own personal time? So most of it's on their own personal time. So there's uh, training that they do. There's also, um, it makes them an eligible candidate for the next role. And then mm -hmm. they get to interview for that role. Um, we've got a platform that we use, a training platform that we use. So there's a job on the job training. There's um, specific role training, but there's also general uh, training like with immersive labs, as an example. Mm -hmm. um, we also do stretch assignments. So somebody might go and shadow somebody and figure out what that looks like. We we do a lot. We encourage people to go do speaking engagements, uh, so attend conferences, and um, we have a lot of recognition. Our culture is pretty cool. Uh, we've got certification <laughs> jacket <laughs> ceremonies. Um, and I think culture is probably one that you can say it, you can put it on a wall, but you got to live it. So mm -hmm. we do a lot of fun things in our culture we've got yeah, i was gonna say lisa i'm not sure you're selling this well enough i mean they do it I, I want one of those out, jackets yeah they roll out a red carpet and they bring up and you get this cool bomber jacket and it's got patches for your different certifications i mean there's esprit de corps to this and it, it is Absolutely. a big deal when someone gets this so and that's not a small thing when you make a big deal out of all, all the things you're talking about yeah. So every month this jacket ceremony happens. So you have to be within, you have to be with the company. You get certified as soon as you're in the role. And then after a year, you have to be recertified and then you get your bomber jacket. And there's like a whole program around this. And it's, it's a huge investment in the people and the team. And that, that jacket is really a badge of honor. Um, we've got our Lego people. We've got shout outs and. You should you should see some of the the fun shout outs that we do. We've got channels in Slack where people are recognizing each other and uh, lots of fun fun yeah, things. Yeah, it's, it's a fun culture. And so, Adam, for for you, like we, I'm I'm not saying that opportunities are are slim on your team, but from a internal security perspective, I would say you know like how tell me how you motivate the team and and how you um keep them engaged. You know, is that also a culture thing? Is it believing in the mission? Absolutely, it's a culture thing. And, uh, you know, I've learned a lot from watching Lisa and her team, you know, Mark and Brett and others there. It's really impressive. Um, what Going back to the original question of how do you retain the talent, I, I really like, I, I really focus on leadership and training my leaders to be incredible leaders. And, you know, there's the saying that people don't quit jobs, they quit bosses, right? Mm -hmm. And they've got to have great leaders. And so one of the things I like to do is really lean into that and talk about callbacks. You you asked me a book I'd been reading, the first one of these podcasts we did. Mm -hmm. um, and I go back to that book, When They, When You Went by Russ Laraway. And it is a great 
book that teaches really, you know, uh, principles based on data that show you how to really create a great place to work for everyone, where they feel empowered, where they feel like they have control over their life. So it's not just I come to work and there are dictates given out and I don't have any power or maybe I have power over the project I'm working on, but nothing else. You don't want that. You want, uh, you know, to create a culture of candor where people can bring as much of their whole self to work as they want to. And then they have a voice and they're listened to. And, you know, if they don't have these things, that's why people will leave. So we really try to create a place like that and then give them the power and resources they need to be able to do their job while getting the direction and strategy from their leadership. Um, and then really focusing on empathy with the leaders. So those are the, I really focus on that a lot and then let the teeter, each, each, you know, each leader have their own sort of culture within their own teams. Cause I have, I have pretty wildly different teams. I don't just have a security operation team. I also have, you know, application security and compliance and others. And so we have to focus on all these different areas and they're a little different, right? But if we have good leadership at all those levels, then that creates an incredible culture where people want to come to work and they <clears throat> want, and they, you know, they have a great sense of camaraderie, if not love for their coworkers and their leaders. And it becomes a place where they, you know, get to really express themselves with their work. Uh, I, honestly, Adam, I look forward to the day I get to work for you. Every time I hear you say stuff like this, I'm like, wow. Anyway, so as part of leadership, one of the, one of the things we've heard a lot about, especially during COVID and it's almost especially in cybersecurity, but you know, I'm sure it applies to, to other um, industries as well is, is burnout and especially for security analysts and especially for those that work dedicated shifts and don't necessarily get the freedom that the other roles provide of being able to pick and choose when you, when you work, as long as you get the job done. So Lisa, how, how big of an issue has burnout been over the last couple of years for your team? And if you've got anything you can, uh, any advice you can give folks that are trying to deal with that or even preempt burnout? Yes. So our 24-7 operations is a little bit different than other organizations. And we did it with intentionality because we wanted to curb the burnout. And so I recognize having done a role of 24-7 myself before and having, you know, been in the trenches with them when we were growing up the team that looking at a board for eight to 12 hours a day is it's just a recipe for burnout and we weren't going to turn and burn these people so let's give them something exciting and part of that was a bit of variety and stretch assignments okay and so we had this amount of work to do and why would i give you this task to do and then that task to do and do it separately so we're just going to cut it up throughout the shift and so what we've done, instead of burn you out for the whole time, we're going to to change your shift um, so that you had it strategically set so that you're not doing the same thing for the entire time. So what we did was a 10-week rotation, and we had an entire week off in the middle. So nobody worked straight days, nobody worked straight nights, nobody worked straight weekends. We did a 10-week rotation with a week off. So you're only working two weekends every time. And so um, that in itself with four hours doing a board and then four hours working tickets, four hours doing um, an investigation, four hours doing something else. It provided the variety. And so if you didn't necessarily like doing uh, a board work or working on tickets, you had some relief. So then the burnout was was a lot less. And so that seems to have served us well. Of course, people are not going to always love the shift environment, 
but we did work through that. Um, and so that, that has served us quite well. We've had pretty low reten- uh, pretty low uh, turnover as a result. Uh, our retention has been quite high. Um, and, and so as a result, it's been great. We haven't had the same issues that other socks have had. Oh, that's, in- that's incredible. I have always found that to be a challenge, um, especially in small, scrappy security operations, or as Ian was saying at the beginning, you know, companies thinking about it and they got all these tools and people are trying to respond to the alerts. And so it's amazing that you really spent the time to think about it. And I, I definitely think that's what security leaders have to do. They have to really think about their people, mm-hmm. you know, lead with that empathy and say, what can we do? What is reasonable? Because oftentimes it's like, just figure it out, you know, and then that's, <laughs> yeah, that's just do security. Out. It's fine. Well, well, people in security are so passionate and they're so duty bound. They're duty driven people, mission driven people. Mm-hmm. And so when you say just figure it out, they're like, I've got to do all of these things rather than like what Lisa's talking about, uh, you know, getting a strategy of prioritization right. and thinking about what's monotonous, what, what, what's going to keep people fresh mm-hmm. and then really saying, here's where we have to take breaks. And we really have to make sure that people are not working all the time. Because I know security people, I know you people, I see you out there. You, you'll work all day and then you'll go home and you have your laptop open and alerts are coming in and you know no one else is watching it, so you are. And we have to change this culture. So it's not just this heroic effort all the time, but it's you know leaders like Lisa that have thought it through, created a great strategy and then executed on that strategy with discipline to make sure that folks aren't burned out. Love that. Yeah. Yeah, we Absolutely. did just that. We we and we take their feedback. I mean, this is the work that has to be done. Here's, you know, during this period of time, we have to cut it up. This this team does this, this team does that. It's all covered. Get your feedback. That that isn't working. Okay, let's change it a little bit. Great. It works. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things I love about this podcast is that I get to learn so much stuff from really cool people. So Lisa, like, thanks for joining us today. I've had, I've learned a ton. I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot about not only the insights of, of Arctic Wolf, but also, you know, some of the, the ways that they can motivate and retain their stuff. Is there anything, Lisa, you want to plug or mention or, or advertise or point people to, or ask for help with anything? Now's, now's your time to get on your soapbox and say anything you like. Ooh, uh, one thing I haven't really talked about is the importance of internship programs and really um, thinking through your internships, um, really giving non-traditional team members a chance uh, before uh, they start with a full-time role. So internships are really important in our SOC. Mm -hmm. We treat them very much like uh, a true employee doing the role. Um, I've had interns come to me and say, thank you for giving me the opportunity to actually do a security role. I said, mm-hmm. what do you mean? And they've said to me in other interns that we've internships that we've had, uh, I was not doing a real security role. And so what do you mean by that? Please say more. And they said, you know, I was doing like coffee and I was doing like reports and I was like auditing things, but I didn't actually get to do the role. So these people, um, that you're hiring and you're you're bringing in to do these roles, they are hungry. Give them the opportunity, give them the chance. Um, and so just take that um, as information and, and give them the opportunity. Also look at non-traditional paths. Uh, we've had a lot of success with chemists, with people um, from transferring in from a legal de- uh, department, from marketing. Um, and, and I'm telling you, 
pairing them up with people from traditional cyber backgrounds, uh, it makes a wonderful dynamic together when you put them on teams. So um, I think that's, that's all I have. That's a great takeaway. Thanks, Lisa. And Adam, as always, it's a pleasure to have you here. What, what, what's on your mind at the moment? Great to be here. Well, I just, I love what Lisa said, and I just like to do a, a call to all of us in cybersecurity, especially cybersecurity leaders or people who've been doing it a while, is you're going to have, I know you do, and you have lots of people reach out to you and want to know what cybersecurity is like or talk about it. And that's one of the things I do is I always try to make time for people who reach out to me and just talk them through it. You know, some people, they're wondering, you know, they're sort of like curious about cybersecurity and it meant a be for them. And I like to walk them through that conversation. But um, I just think I can't echo enough what Lisa's saying about giving people a chance, like interns. And I also think just the time that we can donate to folks, even five minutes, 10 minutes to have a conversation with them about what it's like to be in cybersecurity, how they can succeed, try to, you know, inspire people, try to let people from diverse backgrounds know that there are people like them, there's a place for them, we want them, we need them, um, and that there's so many different roles that they can fill, it's not one thing. Uh, I just think that's really important, and I'm inspired by Lisa today, so. That's great, that's, that's great. As, as always, like I said, I learned something and I don't have anything that I can do to top that. So I would end today by saying thanks very much for listening. And Adam and I will be back soon with another um, episode of Challenge Accepted. Lisa, thanks so much. Have a great thanks day. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Thanks, Ian.